Hey, we're uh, in a Fruit of the Spirit series for the summer. It is looking at the classic passage in Galatians chapter 5, Fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, it, it is a book that's written by Paul that absolutely declares that the, the, the means of a Christian having radical change and, quote, success in their life comes not from trying harder, but rather drawing near to the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are supernatural attributes. And there's a list there in Galatians chapter 5, love and joy and peace and patience. And those supernatural attributes of Christ, those bloom in our lives naturally when we surrender our wills to Jesus Christ, when we abide in Christ, when we draw near to God completely. And today, we're going to look at the fruit, joy. We're going to look at the fruit, joy. You want to go to the lobby over to our fruit stand. I love that fruit stand. And get a sticker, you know, for your water bottle or even other places. We're going to look at joy today. If you could imagine with me what, the, what it must have been like when the Bible was originally written, and in, in this storyline, it's written by Paul, and he is sitting in a smelly, musty old prison. He is chained to a Roman guard. He has no freedom, limited food, and he is in ill health. And in, in that set of circumstances, this Roman soldier is going to look over his shoulder and see Paul pen these words and think, what did he just write? He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I, I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Can you imagine writing those words in that set of circumstances? I don't know. Right now, I'm still bugged that I had to cycle through two lights over here at the Porsche dealership getting to work. And he's in prison doing this. I mean, today we're going to look about we're going to look at how to rise above the circumstances that we're living in, so that we might enjoy joy. And there is, if you want to know about joy, there's no better book in the Bible to read about joy than the book of Philippians. So if you'll turn there, we're going to look at Philippians chapter four. That's the book of joy. Four short chapters and some version of the word joy is going to be used 11 times. And that's almost more than the entire New Testament. It's the book of joy. Joy is the supernatural fruit from the Holy Spirit of Yahweh. It's not from here. It is the the topic joy was the linchpin in leading C.S. Lewis to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it was because he knew that joy was mysterious and and other world phenomena. And it was perplexing to him. He didn't know what to do with it. And when he discovered Christ, he discovered joy. And that's why his autobiography is entitled, Surprised by Joy. His life is all about that. And so today, we're going to look at how to experience joy how to experience joy. And joy is not an inflation of our own happiness, but rather we're going to see how we can learn how to let the sap of the Holy Spirit 
run through our souls so that produces this fruit of joy. So here it is. How to experience joy. We experience joy when we draw near to God completely. Let's all just say that out loud together. We experience joy God, completely. We experience joy when we, when we um, draw near to God completely. Uh, again, C.S. Lewis, subject expert in the area of joy, writes this about drawing near to God and getting joy. He says, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught like kind of an infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near a fire. If you want to get wet, you're going to need to get into the water. If you want joy, if you want power, you want peace, you must get close to it, even into it, the thing that has them. And in Psalm 16, it says, Yahweh, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Yahweh is the source of joy. We need to draw near to Yahweh completely. You could say this another way. The joy is only granted to those people that have completely devoted their lives to the Lord over their personal happiness. That's when joy happens. You can see that it's about drawing near to the Lord in the very next verse. Look at So verse 4 says... Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to, to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Your joy comes from being the Lord is near. And the Lord is near is a figure of speech that means he's coming soon. Talking about the certainty of justice, it means the Lord is near near you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's comfort. Nearness to Jesus, the Lord is near, lets us live a life that's confident because we're, because we're in full knowledge that the circumstances around us, most all of them, are just temporal. And we need to set our minds on things that are eternal. Joy comes when we embrace that God is near and we live that way. Now, today what I'd like to do is focus our time on how. How do we experience joy? How do we enjoy this fruit? How does joy come out of me? And what we're going to see here, I want you to know for the future of our times with looking at the other fruits of the Spirit, that there's a two, kind of a two-step process in all of those. It's about not doing one thing and doing another. It's about being completely surrendered. Step one is being completely surrendered to the Lord. And then step two is, is drawing near to him. Step one is, is stop being outside, distracted by outside temporal things. And step two is drawing near to our king. Step one is, is caring less about most of life. And caring more about the eternal things like the promises of God and the nature of God. Sometimes, step one is stop loving sin. Start loving holiness. There's an old hymn that summarizes it quite nicely. I surrender some. Wait, that's not it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I surrender all. Right. I surrender all. And then joy comes. So let's look at the two steps. Joy comes when we completely, or when we draw near to God completely. The first one is completely. When we, here, step one, we experience joy when we draw near to God. We're going to focus on the word completely. Why is it that we don't experience joy when we're drawing near to God because we're not drawing near to God completely? We're often distracted by things of the world. Sometimes we're disobedient. Sometimes it's a value that we think we can get away with Jesus being second in our life. Something else is first. And joy doesn't come with Jesus playing second fiddle. He doesn't know how. It's not his place. And so if you look at the next two verses, four or five, now we're at six and seven, it's the same subject, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again, rejoice, experience joy. And he's going to say we need to care less about many of the things in our lives. And he's going to tell us how to care less about those things. Verse six and seven. So, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, there's a word for that. You know what the word is, everyone? Joy. The word is joy. And we get that when we, we obey. This is a command. When you obey this command that says, you are over-caring about a lot of your life. You might be over-worrying. And, and that's causing you to focus your thought life, sometimes compulsively, on the wrong subject. And when your thought life is focused and narrowed on something other than drawing near to the Lord completely, there's no joy there. And so, how do we give over those things? What does he say? He says, everything, do not worry, be anxious about anything, but with everything. How do we give it over to God so we can have this peace that we can end up rejoicing? We give our lives over to him completely and totally when when we started to grasp this idea that God is near, and God is near means that justice is coming and that God is sovereign. He's with us now, and he's in control of the universe. And here's, here's a way of doing that. Here's how to be anxious about nothing, but rather with everything, with everything, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, just make a list. Just get a journal, get a scratch sheet of paper, and just write down the things that are overly important to you or just important to you, like your, your, your finances. <laughs> just em- empty your pockets. Give them all of your finances. Give them the watch on your wrist. That's control. That's, that's that schedule that you love. It's your family, the people that, your friends, your loved ones. Sure, like your photo album, in your mind, just be writing the names down of the people that you might find yourself anxious about. And write all of their names down. And turn them over, you're delegating anxiety 
and control to the Lord because he's sovereign. Turn over your old diaries that keep you locked up in your past, thinking that it's about your past and not your present and your future. If you're wondering what is the topic that you're over-concerned about, you're over-worried about, you're anxious, the answer is pretty simple. Like, what is captivating your thoughts? What causes you to fear? And why are you afraid? That's what it means to be giving that over completely. Completely surrendering everything and saying, God, you're in charge of my life. You already are, but now I'm releasing that to you. And what happens is, is the, the peace of the Lord will guard your heart. And that is what brings us joy. The power of joy is that it's fearless. The power of joy is that it's fearless, and that's because a person that's doing this first step has nothing to lose. They've turned over every single thing, they're anxious about nothing, but with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, they've turned everything over, and now they don't have anything to lose, to worry about. Have you ever noticed like this like phenomena in your life maybe or in someone else's that they, they, a person talks about joy in the context of maybe being in the hospital or maybe even going to jail? And you know why that is? Because when you check into a hospital or jail, it's just a few hours. You're wearing borrowed clothes. They're not even yours. <laughs> and you're not in charge of anything. You're just going to be doing what you're told. And when that happens, when a person finally settles with that, they can experience joy. They've turned everything over. Completely. Completely. That's the first step. Second one is we experience joy when we draw near to God completely. Paul's now going to say, okay, now that you've released that, now let's turn our lives over to God. Let's pursue those things. And look what he says in the next few verses. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Paul's trying to change the way we think. We are a product of our thoughts. And he says, okay, now that we're not going to be thinking and uh, co consumed with the temporal, we've turned that over in the first step one, and now we're focusing on the, the unchanging truth of the Lord. We're focusing on the unchanging promises of God. He's saying, guard your heart, guard your soul. It's the wellspring of your life. You are what you think. It's what you meditate upon. It's what captivates you. And so part one was those worries that are captivating you, you get rid of those. Now, let your heart and soul be captivated by things that are true and pure and lovely. It's, he's just saying, it's like, not this, but he, that. Sometimes he says this, not that. Look what he says in Colossians. Focus, set your mind, focus on things above. The Lord is near right? But not on earthly things. So here's what I'd like to do. Since the focus of our time this summer is how to, 
how to find the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, and particularly this week is on joy, what we've done is we're going to have a summer of homework together. Probably use a better word than homework, uh, summer of devotion together. We, we put together a devotional guide. looks like this. They're out in the lobby today. You can actually download one on the, from the internet if you'd like. It's going through each of, it's a study guide that's going along with the sermons. A little place to put the stickers if you want. And each week we're going to look at various passages and they're going to complement the sermons. And each of uh, the, the study guide and the passages and the little stickers all have passages that are going to all bring all those things together. What we're hoping to do is that all of us will learn how to draw near to God completely. Step one, here's what we're asking everyone to do every day. Morning devotions, or whenever it works for you. Part one, completely. Is there something that God is telling you to do and you're not doing it? Jesus is king, and so he rules. And in the context of what we've read already, are we over-worrying? Are we over-anxious? Are we... Are we trying to be in control of things that we shouldn't be? Or are we making something temporal way more important than it should be? Write those down. Delegate those to the sovereign God of the universe. Are, are there issues of disobedience? He tells us to forgive our enemies. He tells us to not to be covetous. tells us whatever it might like. Sometimes it's, it's an addiction. Sometimes it's a a right. Part one, every day, what we'd like to see people do at Grace, work our way through the devotional, and part one is, is completely. There's a word for most of part one. It's the word repent. It's repent in doing wrong or just not doing right. A simple inventory. Take a, a simple inventory of your life values and find if there's something in there that, say, that you're saying to God, this is mine. In this area of my life, I do what I want. It could be in my finances. It could be in my entertainment choices. It could be in a, a use of alcohol. It could be a love for my reputation. Is there something in your life where you, th you can hear God's calling and you rebuff him. Leave that alone. Each day, we want people to stop at grace and think, I need to repent of that. I need to repent of trying to be sovereign in one, life of my, one aspect of my life. Step two, want everybody to do that evaluation and then every morning, if that's the case, now it's draw near to God. We look at passages. You want to draw near to God, you're going to look at, you're going to want to receive and memorize and meditate on the Word of God. That's how He communicates to us primarily and certainly most clear. We, we look at a passage, and the reason we've done this work is so that we'll all be going through and looking at uh, passages from the study guide, passages from whatever's being taught from the pulpit that week. Or the passage on the little sticker that you're going to get saying, oh, these are all central themes of, the, of that fruit of the week. And what we want you to do is you, you take that passage 
and then you memorize it. For me, I like to put it on a post-it note. I've got some of my, old, my father's old business cards. Everybody has old business cards at a certain age, and they're good for nothing, but now they're good for something. And you write that Bible verse on the back of that, and you carry it around. That's the fruit of the week. You're meditating on that, and then I would say this next step is very important. Then you turn that principle, that passage, into a prayer. And you're praying and looking like a a kid hunting Easter eggs. And you're looking for God to answer the the theme of the week. You're you're looking like last week, I, I even mentioned it, I was praying, Father, show me how you first loved me. So that that love for me can overflow so that I can first love someone else and they can experience the love of God that's initiated from the outside. And God revealed that to me. This week we would start praying, you know, uh, Lord, how am I worrying, over-worrying, or over-anxious about certain aspects of the life around me because I've been consumed by the temporal and lord you you could just turn this into a simple prayer show me joy show me joy regardless of circumstances all week each and every think about what would happen each day all of us at grace going through the similar summer study guide looking at the very similar passages putting postage business cards uh, i imagine your phone probably has the ability to do a lot of this We're all working through the fruit of the week. I mean, at the end of the summer, Grace Covenant Church, love, has love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Let's do that together. We're not going to spend our time, we're going to stop in the middle of marinating our thoughts on things that are other than the greatness of Yahweh and the promises that he's made and we're going to live our lives around. That's the plan. So we want everybody to pick up one of these study guides that are right over there by the fruit stand. Pick those up on, with your sticker on the way out. Download it. Let's do this together. Okay? First application. Okay? Amen. All right. Amen. All right. Great. So if you want to get warm, you got to get near a fire. You want joy, you need to draw near to God completely. The last little expression of wisdom that Paul talks about in this section on joy, I find very consoling. And that is that joy comes independent of circumstances, but it takes practice. You have to learn to be content. You have to lose and then learn from the losing and grow in your contentment if you want to rise above circumstances and experience the joy of the Lord. Look what he says in 11 through 13. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, here it is, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I am personally 
greatly encouraged, I hope you are too, that Paul, the apostle, had to learn this contentment. It didn't just happen. It was over a a process in time, and he found out that, you know, trying to just be happy and turning that to joy doesn't work. Happy happens when all is going well, and joy happens when you learn that circumstances do not determine if God is near. You can be happy if you get that promotion, if you marry that girl, if there are no waves. And joy has its power because it is independent of circumstances, but that contentment must be learned. Paul says, I can, I've learned that I could write the, the epistle of joy from the corner office overlooking the city skyline or from a musty prison cell tied to a guard. It doesn't matter. The power of joy is that it is disconnected from circumstances. John Orberg has a series of quotes with this. He, he, he writes this, often the, people with the clo- cl- often the people closest to suffering are the ones that experience the most powerful joy. He writes that Mother Teresa, instead of being overwhelmed by suffering that was around her, she would glow with joy as she did her ministry of mercy. He quotes uh, a prison mate with Dietrich Bonhoeffer and says this about Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer always seemed to me to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident And he had profound gratitude at the mere fact that he was alive. True joy comes from this, that we're anxious for nothing. We're not anxious in our circumstances. And why? How did that happen? Because we, we, with prayer and, and petition, with a great deal of thanksgiving, we gave that over to the Lord. Boom. Step one. And step two was... We focused on the immutable, immovable promises of God and the nature of God. Paul learned how to be content. He learned to experience joy because he knew we are a product of the way we think. I won't focus on these things. I will focus on the Lord Almighty. Joy is absolutely independent (laughs) of whether or not you win or you lose. And it's because God is near. And God is near means he's returning soon. That's justice. And then he is with us at this very moment. And that's where we get comfort. I want you to see how this looks in real life. Oklahoma University softball team. 53 wins in a row and counting. The longest in NCAA history. Three national championships in a row. And I want to play, we're going to play a video of the, of the ladies testifying to why they had so much confidence. And I want you to listen to how often the word joy is used. And I want you to also listen to our today's lesson is joy comes from pursuing the Lord, getting near the Lord completely, and leaving everything else to Him. Amazing. Story. Let's read it. Let's uh, watch the video here. Many of you have seen this already. It's a long season, right? 
Yep. I know we'll be with him when and with our king. That's a great way to end. The Lord is near. It is 10-12, and OU is awesome. <laughs> anyway, some of you get that. Uh, one, one more uh, final truth about joy, and that is where it all starts. If, if you have to get close to a fire if you want to be warm, if you need to draw, if you need to get near to God completely, it all starts with salvation. How does joy start? It starts when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, which means you're trusting Him for the payment of your sin and the crimes that you have against the holiness of God. And you can read through another book that's about joy. It's called the book of Acts. And it's the story of the gospel making its way uh, to Europe and Africa. In Acts chapter 8, uh, a Christian leader there named Philip, he goes to Samaria and goes to preach the gospel there. And in that city, a revival breaks out. And it's described as, and there was great joy in the city. Same chapter, Philip is talking to a man from Africa, an Ethiopian. He's on a chariot. He's reading the Bible. And he has a question about some prophecy and whether, what it means and asks Philip, and, and Philip explains that the prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so the Ethiopian becomes a follower of Christ, trusts him as his Savior, gets baptized, and it says that he went away rejoicing. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison, and God provides a miraculous prison break. <laughs> An earthquake <laughs> takes place in the cell doors are opened up and the, the guard in charge is going to be killed by losing prisoners and he's starting to panic and he's going to take his own life and Paul and Silas say no 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 we haven't left yet it's all good like relax you know we're we're you're okay and so the prison guard says what what must I do to be saved and they say well you need to believe in the Lord Jesus and so he does and he brings that home to his family and that ends with he was filled with joy because he believed in God and in Jesus Christ, he in his, old, in his whole household. You see the pattern? Yeah. It starts here. Drawing near to God completely starts with trusting in the gift all by itself that Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ and putting your faith in that that he died and was raised again for the penalty of sin. Start there. If that is where you are, you, before and after, how about today? You pray today that joy starts today in putting your hope of your future and your present relationship with God, you can draw near to him because of Jesus Christ. That's where joy starts. Well, let's have a time of prayer. So that we might experience joy. Shall we? Let's, let's pray. Lord, first of all, I'd like to pray for people that have never had joy because they can't know you. They've been trying to know you through other means of doing good or being better than the next guy. Or thinking they can earn their way out of debt. And Lord, today they find that joy comes 
by drawing near to you because of the gift of salvation that comes in Christ and in Christ alone. So I, I pray with them that they are turning over their hope in their present and their future to you, the sovereign God of the universe who so loved us that you sent your only son. For us, Lord, just the, the desire for joy, as Lewis Smead says, like we miss out on joy, we miss the reason for our existence. C.S. Lewis, joy is a serious business in heaven. And what we read here by the Apostle Paul, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Lord, I'd ask that you'd help us learn how to cast our troubles upon you that we'd be anxious for nothing because we're praying about everything. We're turning over the temporal things of our lives, even those very most valuable things, over to your sovereign care. And some of us need to repent of an idol in our life. Sometimes it's a drug and sometimes it's a child. But we, we've, we've put you second, and that's no place for a king. So, Lord, I ask that you would help us draw near to you completely. Finally, I ask that we would draw near to you, my king, our king. We draw near to your throne by meditating and believing in the promises that you've left us in your holy writ. Lord, would you, add, would you help our church collectively work our way through kind of this outline in each one of these fruits, that grace would be known as a church of the fruit of the supernatural uh, gifts of God, the supernatural fruit of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, trustworthiness, and self-control. Give us joy. Give us a taste of that joy this week. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.